All right. Is Naveen in the house? Yes. Naveen, how are you? I'm doing amazingly well, brother. It's always so good to see you. You too. Thank you so much for doing this. We're so grateful. Well, as I said, it's always a pleasure and I'm so glad we're doing it yet again. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you some similar questions to Roger, who founded Mulberry, but in your world. So I asked him how fashion has changed since he started. How has business changed since you started? Well, you know, I've been doing, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, various sectors for about 25 plus years. And to me, you know, you know, the more things change, the, the more they stay the same. I mean, it, fundamentally, the things haven't changed. The one thing you always have to do is to stay focused on solving people's problems. That means you have to improve people's life. And I don't care what technology does or does not do or how slowly or how fast the technology is moving. At the end of the day, the only way to create a sustainable long-term business is to improve people's lives. And now, of course, in the last 25 years, we have had many different sets of technologies that have enabled that to be in a different way, better way than it was possible a decade ago. And all that will change, but fundamentally the principles of business rarely change. And what opportunities do you see out there in the business world now then, Naveen? So I just said, I think a couple of them are just so right at this point. And I think the reason is the confluence of these technologies are making it possible for us to do things today that weren't possible half a decade ago. Right? So to me, the two or three sectors that are just you know, so right at this point for an entrepreneur to go out there and actually make it happen. Number one would be healthcare. And the reason I believe the healthcare is so right today is this is the first time we have technology at our disposal to be able to understand the human biology at a molecular level. That means once we understand all the biochemicals that are being produced inside our body, it becomes really an AI problem to be able to see what imbalance or what chemical causes what diseases, and it becomes a math and a chemistry problem. And now having access to massive supercomputing powers and massive AI, and to be able to collect the massive amount of biological data, that problem can be solved today that couldn't have been solved half a decade ago. Now, the second thing really would be education. The same thing that's you know enabling the things for people to do things that you and I are doing, that means all around the world, now you have access to talent and the mentors that you never had before. It used to be the education used to be local and geographical. That means you only could learn from people who were in your neighborhood who could possibly teach you. Now that access is actually worldwide. So why would you want to go to one college that may have the best chemistry professor and the math professor is average or the you know other professors are average. Why won't you get the best of everyone in the world and actually bring it to you? So I think, you know, to me, you know, some of the work you do, Rob, it just really to me is people should, uh, you know, hats off to you for what you do. Bring in these people together that we all are inspired by them. 
And that would not have been possible but for these technologies that are at our disposal. And one would argue that you know, the COVID is going to be a black mark for humanity for what we have done. But you know, despite the fact we lost millions of people who didn't have to lose their lives, despite the fact the millions of people are suffering, and you know, and this time it will be so insensitive of me to say that looking back 10 years from now, we are going to find that COVID had a silver lining in this dark cloud. It advanced many of the things that would not have advanced for decades. So I would say the healthcare advanced by a decade by enabling the tele, you know, telemedicine that would not have happened for decades. At home test and at home services that would not have happened for decades. The fact we came up with a new type of ways of actually vaccinating people using mRNA. That new technology would not have gotten through the FDA approval for decades, if ever. The fact that we showed that in, you know, when there is a need for humanity to come together, we were able to approve a safe vaccine in six months, not six years. That shows that you know, things can change and still be safe. That means you can do things right fast and still be safe. So I really think these kind of things, when you look back, that remote education, there is no way in US, at least I can tell you that, a teacher's union would have ever allowed a remote teaching to happen. That would have never happened. And overnight, <laughs> it happened, right? The conferences, I would have never in my life would have believed that, you know, conferences were supposed to be, you go there, you meet people in person, and you go out there, attend the events in person, and people, somebody would have said, oh, let's do a virtual event. I would have said, that's a cheap thing. I don't participate in virtual events, right? Point is now, suddenly, this is the craze. This is how you're, in fact, now I would rather do a virtual event than a physical event, because physical event takes two days of my life away from me. This one is, you know, in and out, an hour and a half, you're actually done, and you delivered the message and you know you feel you can contribute to humanity without taking up so much of your time so i think a lot of these things in my opinion are fundamentally what are what have changed and where the opportunities do exist but i feel if i were to take it slightly further there is not an industry that will not be disrupted in the next 10 to 15 years that means if you look at the fortune 500 companies Half of them won't be around in the next 10 to 15 years. That tells you there has never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. There has never been a better time to be alive. I fully agree with you, Naveen, and I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> now, I, I'm pretty sure that you suggest that, you know, we should bet ourselves and back ourselves on our dreams. But entrepreneurship, the failure rate is quite high. So how do we mix those paradoxes? On the one hand, failure is quite high in entrepreneurship, yet it's an amazing time of opportunity and we should back ourselves. Yeah. So I think, first of all, just remember, as an entrepreneur, you never fail. You only fail when you give up. Everything else is simply a pivot. That means an idea that you have may or may not work. And every idea that does not work 
is simply a stepping stone to a different idea, to a better idea. And you keep adapting and pivoting until you actually find what works. And if you go back to, I think, uh, what Edison said when he was, you know, obviously engineering the light bulb, he says, I did not fail thousand times. In fact, I learned a thousand ways that things don't work. And that's what allowed me to actually find a way that will work, right? So to me, entrepreneurship is simply about experimentation. That means you experiment and the faster you can fail, faster you know that idea would not work, the faster you can actually experiment a different idea. That means think of entrepreneurship simply about how quickly can you experiment and how quickly you can figure out that idea has merit or does not have merit. And, uh, you know, obviously, even if your idea does work and even if you are actually wildly successful in launching a business, and I think as uh, Roger said previously, life is going to be full of ups and downs. And I think you and I have talked about in our past conversation that to me, the only way we know we are alive is because we have a heartbeat, right? You touch your thing, you check your beat. And if you ever watch your heartbeat, it is up and down and up and down all the time. When it is smooth, you're dead. Now <laughs> imagine that to me is actually symbolic of entrepreneurship. What that means is in an entrepreneurship, you should expect it and you should accept it that there are going to be these ups and downs. When you are down, just hunker down and you know the next beat is going to be up. When you are on top of that beat, never get too cocky because you know the winter is coming and winter shall come, right? And if you ever want to live a smooth life, you're essentially asking for living a life of a dead person. That means you really are doing absolutely nothing. So the day you look for a life to be smooth and stable, you may as well say, I want to live a life of a dead person that has no soul, that has absolutely nothing to look forward to. There is absolutely nothing to contribute to. And if that's the life you want, <laughs> you know, go enjoy your life. And maybe six feet under is probably a better place to enjoy. <laughs> I'm taking loads of notes here, Naveen. Um, you never fail. You only fail when you give up. Everything else is a pivot. I'm going to make an image quote for you to post on Instagram for that. Entrepreneurship is about experimentation and fast failure. I'm going to do another one for you on that. Really love it. So you, you, you talk about this concept, concept of moonshot. And, you know, I know some people have heard you speak, but I just love the way you talk about it. So could you talk about what a moonshot is and why we should all have our own version? So the moonshot are these audacious ideas that are not simply incremental. That means making something better by 10%, 15%, 20%. Moonshot are these audacious ideas that make something better 10x or 100x that fundamentally change how we look at the world. That means today we look at the world as if we as humanity is destined to live on a single spacecraft called planet Earth. And we think somehow living on the moon or Mars or Venus or beyond our solar system is a science fiction that is just not possible. And the moon starts with the idea then saying, what is it that is stopping us from doing that? And that concept in the moonshot thinking is 
you don't say why it can't be done or it will never be done. You simply rephrase that question to say, what would it take for us to be able to live on the Venus or Mars? And when you start to think like that, that what technologies have to be developed for us to enable what we want to do, suddenly you will realize many of the things are already in place. We just need to put them together and there may be some missing pieces and that's what you focus on developing. And suddenly the problem that looked impossible, that looked difficult, is suddenly becomes possible and actually enabling technology that makes it all work, right? And these moonshots are not just about going to the moon and beyond. The moonshots are right on our planet Earth, right? If you can find a way to get rid of the carbon from the atmosphere, and not because you are a philanthropist, not because you care about the environment, because it is a massively big business that is going to improve the lives of billions of people. So if you can find anything that will improve the life of a billion people, you can create a $100 billion company. Now, if you can improve the lives of 7.4 billion people to live healthier because of getting rid of carbon, that is a massive multi-trillion dollar company you're sitting on. So do it because it's a great opportunity, but do it because the only way you can create a sustainable business is to improve the lives of people. And when you do that, by the way, it is a big business, not on just removing it, but what would you do with that carbon? What if the carbon capturing is not a cost to you? What is capturing carbon actually creates the raw ingredients for you to be able to say and make a diamond? Now, suddenly, instead of saying cost of capturing carbon from atmosphere is too high, it is not possible. What if you can convert that into something that's even more valuable than it costs to actually extract that carbon? And suddenly now you have created a, actually a massive loop that makes you more money. The more you capture carbon, the more money you're making. And now you're helping more people and suddenly you've created an amazing company. <laughs> My mind always goes like this when I'm with you, Naveen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like X-Men. So this interplanetary society thing, yeah. this really interests me. Do you really think we're going to have an interplanetary society? And if so, by when and how? I tell you what, there's no doubt in my mind in the next 15 to 20 years, there will be a baby born outside the planet Earth. And the baby is going to be looking up and saying, mom and dad, I come from that planet outside and pointing to Earth, right? So <laughs> to me, uh, you know, that is just not even a question because there's absolutely no reason we can't do that today. We have all the technologies in the world to be able to do that today, right? And I think we want to move away from not just going to the moon or Mars because that's still within our solar system. One day, our sun is going to implode. It's just a matter of whether it is 100 million years or a billion years, it is going to happen. Every solar system, the sun implodes. So why not back up the humanity on multiple solar system and maybe beyond our galaxy? Because even our galaxy may implode. So you want to actually back yourself up into different galaxies 
And even beyond the galaxies, you may want to be in a different universe altogether into this multiverse. So why stop? And, you know, there is someday instead of being an internet, there is going to be the same thing. I mean, whether you live in Sydney or you live in UK and you live in Seattle or you live in here and you live on the moon or Mars, there's going to be the internet. You're still be going to be able to do your Instagram sitting on the Mars or moon. <laughs> so it's not much different, right? <laughs> wow. All right. Now let's come back to Earth. And is America still the land of the free and the land of opportunity and the land for the entrepreneur? So answer to the last question is yes, right? It is still the best place to be an entrepreneur because despite everything we say, despite my frustration with a lot of the things that happen here, there is no place to be an entrepreneur than America because of the things that the regulations, a regulatory environment for you to start a company, you could do that today. I can literally go on a website, register the company today. And I was talking to somebody in Europe, in Belgium, they say, Oh, you know, we have really a fast mechanism here. We can set up an LLC in seven days. And it's like, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to them, like setting up a venture in seven days was fast. And I'm thinking it should be seven seconds, right? Really? Why would any be a regulatory environment here? But to me, the best part of being in America, which I think most people may not appreciate, it is the people around you that actually look at your dreams, not as someone crazy, but to be able to help you think through them, right? So for example, if I were in a, in a country and I go and say, we are going to go to the moon, someone will actually look at you and I will give you some story some other day. Uh, I was actually working on Moon Express and I was going to uh, uh, Dublin to speak at the, uh, this founders event. <clears throat> and the person at the immigration officer asked me, what do I do? And I says, I, you know, I'm in space exploration going to the moon. And the guy looked at me and he says, sir, you need to be really serious here. This is not, I'm asking you, what do you do? And I said, going to the moon. And he looked at me and he said, one more time, we don't allow any crazy people in this country. So one more time, what do you do? And I said, I'm a software engineer, write software. He said, good, now you can go. Because to him, Going to the moon was such a crazy idea. He thought I was nuts because he was that crazy, right? Now, same thing when you are in the, you know, in America, you're in Silicon Valley, surrounded by the people as so you go to the moon. The question they ask is, oh, where are you going to land? What kind of rocket fuel are you using? Are you going to be using the, you know, the hydrogen fluoride or are you going to be using this, right? And they literally are now saying, hey, have you thought about how are you going to be hopping from one place to another place? Are you using a rotor blades? Are you using this? It is not in their mind you're not doing it. You're simply saying, oh, what are the things you're doing? And have you thought about all that? And that's just a mindset change that happens is that people obviously take it for granted. Of course, you're going to do that, right? And that is the something that why I believe that the land of opportunity is still is in America. Now, only thing that really disappoints me as you know, today's environment, and especially in the previous administration, is this idea of somehow the immigrants are the you know problems of the country. If you look at more than half of the companies are created by entrepreneurs. If you look at some of the most 
successful companies today in America are run by entrepreneurs and not some second, third generation. The first generation uh, are immigrants, right? So first generation immigrants are running the company like Microsoft, like Google, like IBM, right? I mean, you look at these, they are first generation Americans, right? So somehow when this idea of immigrants take away the jobs, immigrants create jobs, right? So to me, that's the one part that really makes me feel sad that America was born with an idea that we welcome the best and the brightest from around the world. We give them the opportunity so much so they call this the land of opportunity. And when they succeed, we actually celebrate their success. And there are times when people succeed in our country. Now we call them one percenter as if they are somehow criminal, that they are no longer part of the society to be part of saying, hey, you are one of us. We say you are not 99 percent. You are not us. You are them and you are a criminal <laughs> because you're not paying your fair share. You're not doing this. My point is we should be celebrating them and saying, I want to be like you. That's how what America was. But having said all that frustration, I would rather be here than anywhere else in the world. <laughs> it's nice to be out of a nice rant, isn't it, Naveen? <laughs> Great. So a random question here. You're 21 years old. You have no social media followers, no capital. Mm -hmm. What do you do to be an entrepreneur and have a moonshot? <clears throat> well, the interesting thing is the opportunities, if you can create opportunity and write ideas, the capital will flow to you. So capital flows where the opportunities are. It doesn't matter what part of the world you live in. Uh, and it's really, really interesting. The way I find is most people believe when they have an idea, they want to guard that idea as if the only value they have is that idea. And they say, I can't share it with you because somebody might steal my idea. And I tell people that is the most moronic thing you do. You want to share with your idea with everyone because the more you share, the more questions they ask, your idea keeps improving. The ideas are, in fact, amazing things. Is the more people share ideas, they actually create better ideas, right? So to me, sharing ideas is a way of improving what you are thinking and allow everyone to critique it so it gets better. What is interesting is, you don't let the naysayers stop you from doing it. That's the only thing you have to do is assume they're going to be naysayers every time. If you could start a company, there'll always be 10 people saying, oh my God, this is bound to fail. This will never work. I would never do this, right? And, you know, we all have heard the stories, you know, pick a company you want. The founder were told this is a crazy idea that will never work. And that's a very interesting thing. You will look in our world is the day before a breakthrough, it's a crazy idea. And day after, day after the breakthrough, it's an obvious idea. <laughs> <laughs> I need to write that down. Are you there, Hannah? <clears throat> the day before the breakthrough is a crazy idea. The day after the breakthrough is a normal idea. I've literally got a list of Naveen quotes okay. here. This is brilliant. All right, Naveen. Um, another random question, because I thought I'd ask something a bit different from the last few times we've talked. Um, what do you think of cryptocurrencies? Oh, my God. You know, so, so let me go back and answer that question slightly differently. Anytime you, it's not about the technology. 
you have to see what problem am I solving that it needs to be solving that has not been solved by whatever the existing mechanism is. So if you look at whether it's a cryptocurrency, if you think about it, every currency is a digital currency. When was the last time when you want to pay someone money, you actually counted the money out? You literally would transfer the bits from one account to another account. It's already digital. So now people say, well, we don't like the fact you can track who I give money to. So the only problem the cryptocurrencies does solve is essentially to allow you to do illegal things that you would not want to, that you don't want people to know. And some people say, well, we don't like the idea of government controlling the things and the devaluation and blah. Yes, in some country, it is a problem. Uh, but for the Western world, I don't see the need for us to actually say, you know what, I don't believe in dollar or sterling or pick a name you want or euro because I want to own, uh, you know, pick a name you want, Dogecoin, right? I mean, it's really interesting. Dogecoin was started as a joke because people thought this is a joke. And now it is sitting at $100 billion plus. And you, you look at something, really? For what? I mean, what? problem is that solving that hasn't been solved before, right? So I think that to me is really is ask yourself, what is the problem I need to be solving? And if cryptocurrency or blockchain is the right answer, go do it. So I believe the blockchain, bar none, is amazing technology. And blockchain is a great technology, but the application on top of blockchain, which is called cryptocurrency, I am not convinced is the best application that powers that showcases the blockchain. Escrow is a great way to use a blockchain. I mean, you know, having a bond or having a things that use the blockchain, there are many applications that are really good applications that allows you to create a trust between two independent parties. Blockchain is good for that. And so anyway, I think you hopefully got the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Naveen, we talk a lot about solving problems as entrepreneurs and you have. Do you solve them all yourself or have you engaged in mentors and tried to learn from other people to speed the journey up? Yeah. So, you know, interestingly, I find that life is your best mentor. Life never stops teaching you. We stop learning. So if you all every single day, just look at how many interactions you have with different people. And if you can learn something from every interaction, every single person you meet is your mentor, right? So my point is the mentorship is about you, not someone else. When you keep your eyes, ears, and mind open to learning, every person, every interaction becomes a learning movement and every person becomes your mentor. So to me, I feel that just living life is the best mentorship I have received. All right, love it. So two questions are specific to this summit, which is called the okay. Opportunity Summit. Mm -hmm. So Naveen, first one is, how do you spot opportunities? I think it's really, really simple. You look at the thing and saying, if solved, would it help billion people live a better life, period. That's so, uh, You can put number 100 million, right? So simple thing and say, here is what I want to do. You start backward and say, God forbid I'm actually successful in doing it. Would it help 100 million people? Would it help a billion people? And if the answer is no, that's not an opportunity, right? So to me, assume what you're doing is successful and then see what the impact of that is going to be. And that's how I spot opportunity. 
Love it. Very simple. And then how do you seize opportunities, actually take them, implement them and make them a success? So first thing is when you see an opportunity, you have to ask yourself, are you truly obsessed about solving this problem? Not just simply passionate about it. I think you and I talked about it. Passion is for losers. Obsession <laughs> is for entrepreneurs, right? <laughs> if you, whatever you're doing in your life, when you wake up in the morning and you don't jump out of the bed, you're, whatever you're doing, you should quit. That is not your calling. When you find your true calling and you call that an opportunity, you can call what you want. When you find your true calling, you will go to sleep thinking about it and you jump out of the bed wanting to solve that problem. And when you find that, you will find that energy. I don't, I mean, I get up at 4 a.m. every day, I jump out of the bed and I have this full of energy and I work all day. I call that a work. I love all my day and I'm tired and I hit the pillow and I'm out. Right? Nothing in my life when I wake up in the morning and I'm full of joy because I'm working on things that gives me energy. Right? It doesn't sap energy from me. So when you find your calling, you find you never tired. You always have an amazing energy and you always have the positive attitude because you're working on things that you want. Amen. <laughs> So you talked about you'll be naysayers when you start your business and you share your vision and you go and go yeah. on talks and people will criticize you go on social media there everywhere. How do you deal with that? Because that does stop a lot of people and people take it personally. What yeah. wisdom have you got for people to just move the haters over there? I think that two things I do. One is first thing is fall in love with yourself. And the falling in love is not become self-conceited, arrogant uh, human being like our previous president, right? But actually become self-love is about not looking for approval from someone else to make you happy. So the day you actually fall in love with yourself is the day you will uh, the world will fall in love with you, right? So that means you love yourself so much when someone says, I I think you are naive. I think you're stupid. I, it doesn't matter what they say. You simply take the feedback and say, wow, so people don't quite understand why am I doing that? Let me explain it better next time, right? So when someone say it can't be done, you simply, you know, you simply say, oh, it means I haven't quite explained how am I, how am I going to be doing it? Let me simplify my message. So I am simply taking the feedback to improve myself, not saying that I'm going to somehow say, my God, if you would not take a mentorship advice from them, why would you take that criticism from them? Right? So yes. why would they really? Why would you really care what they think of it? Because you're not going to them to ask for advice either. Amen to that one as well. Yeah. Right, we're going to do a little quick fire round, Naveen, Please. and then we're going to talk about your current projects and what you're working on and what you'd like help from from us. So. The Earth or the Moon, if you had to choose? I would go to the Moon any day. <laughs> profit or philanthropy and why? I would do profit and I tell you why. Because profit is the engine that allows you to do more good in the world. If you, the best philanthropy is about solving the problem, not about giving money. If you want to do a small good in the world, 
you do a non-profit. If you want to do a large good in the world, you create for profit because profit allows you to, every time you make money, instead of helping 1,000 people, now you have 10,000 people. Do you make more money? You have 100,000 people and you make help million people, 100 million people, billion people. So to me, the profit is the engine that if you use it rightly, that is the right way to actually help more people. America or India and why? And I said, I would prefer America, especially now, <laughs> no COVID here, <laughs> COVID there. But, you know, in all honesty, I think the land, I think you and I thought, just talked brief about land of opportunity. You can be what you want to be. You can achieve your dreams without having so many regulations that will stop you from doing. And I think, you know, so much corruption in India to do everything in India, you would require you to essentially be a different person. So yes, America any day. <laughs> and then traditional education or <laughs> self-education and why? And I think to me, it's not either or, you know, I think in my life, given a choice, you take both. So I would take a traditional education to build the foundation or what I would call vocabulary. And once you build the vocabulary, then every single day you have to learn. So the day you stop being intellectually curious is the day you die. That means you're no longer growing. So, I mean, my basic, from the traditional education allowed me to learn about basic fundamentals or basic vocabulary. And now I read every research paper to learn every single day about what is going on. So I don't think it should be a choice between either or, it should be both. Love it. I've got another Naveen quote here. I'm going to be your VA, your outsourcer, just sending you all your Instagram. Oh my God. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, Naveen, what project or projects are you working on that you'd most like our help <laughs> with um, and how can we help and where can we get in touch with you? So first of all, Rob, thank you very much for hosting me here because I absolutely love your tribe. I love what you stand for. I love your tribe, what they stand for. Now, I need help. I am working on a project called Wyom. That's V as in Victor, I-O-M-E. This is a project that I am focused on finding the ways to prevent and reverse chronic diseases. I, and a chronic diseases means from diabetes, obesity, mental health issues, depression, anxiety, and, you know, neurodegenerative diseases, cancers, aging. I lost my father to cancer. I am just so determined to solve that problem. And I really believe we as humanity will solve the problem of cancer in the next 10 years. The only thing we need is enough of us to come together because the more data we have about human biology and what is causing it, we can solve this problem. So everyone who is listening to it, if you can sign up for Wyom, you are not only going to help yourself because we analyze your body, we tell you what is happening in your body. What is your biological age? What is your gut health? What is your cellular health? What is your immune health? Then we tell you, here are the foods you should eat and why. Here are the foods you should avoid and why. Here are only the supplements and ingredients you need, everything else you're wasting your money on. And if you do that, not only you get healthier, but the contribution you make to our AI allows us to help everyone else. And if we can get 2 million of us to come together, this problem will get solved forever. We are there, we are almost quarter million people. We just need a little bit more push to get to 2 million. And one day we will solve this problem. So if Rob, you can help me spread the magic of Wyoming. Again, that's 
I can't pronounce the word we, so I always say we as in Victor, I-O-M-E. <laughs> Indians cannot pronounce the word we. I don't know why I chose the name of the company that I can't pronounce, but that is life. <laughs> yeah, I've just put it in the chat twice, Viome, V-I-O-M-E. So everyone make sure you make a note of that. Um, my wife and I did that when you know I first met up with Naveen, so V-I-O-M-E. And then where can we follow you on social media, Naveen? Uh, Rob, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, you can always email me. It is my first name dot last name at gmail.com. I answer all my emails. If you ever need anything from me, I'm always available to you. My fellow entrepreneurs, you know I'm one of you. If you, I can help you, I'm always here for you. And I always thank Rob because he brings the amazing people together. And uh, thank you again, Rob, for hosting me. Thank you, Naveen. It's great Thank to you, see sir. you. I appreciate it. Good to see you on uh, the take moon. Take care, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>